Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello again, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton. Along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're systematically unfolding what the Scripture teaches regarding what a lot of us might believe to be hard to understand, slightly scary, theological topics. We believe what Dr. Charles Ryrie said of theology, that theology simply means thinking about God and expressing those thoughts in some way. And we're always attempting to do this in a way that's truly applicable to the lives we live. Because as Charles Spurgeon said, if your theology doesn't change your behavior, it will never change your destiny. Today, we're going to be continuing our study on the doctrine of Christology, diving into the study of Jesus Christ. If you've missed our previous podcast on this topic, go back and check out episodes 35 through 38 on the doctrines of Christ's deity, his incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection. On today's podcast, we'll be addressing the topic of the Ascension. Pastor Jeff, out of all the doctrines that we study here in Kitchen Table Theology, could you pick one that would be the most foundational of them all? Probably not. (laughs) Some of our more recent podcasts seem to be incredibly foundational. That's the incarnation of where God became one of us. There's the crucifixion and, man, the resurrection of Jesus But I go back even further in our our podcast repertoire of sorts. Maybe it's the Trinity. Is one more important than the others? Well, great question, and one we should wrestle with from time to time. And I want to suggest that all those you just mentioned, you really can't have one of them without all of the others, can you? Uh, Each one is so important in and of itself, but they really are also, they're quite tied together. But I've been challenged in my thinking about that question, you know, which doctrine is perhaps the most foundational of them all? So let's just put something out there for all of us here at Kitchen Table Theology to chew on. And I'm not suggesting it's a right answer, but it's, it's a topic relating to Jesus that we in the Protestant evangelical church really, I just feel like we don't give a lot of attention to it. And it's the ascension of Jesus Christ. And while it may not be the foundational doctrine of our faith, many, including the author of the New Testament book of Hebrews, would argue that it is one of the anchors of our faith. Hmm. And right there, as soon as you say that, I can imagine people thinking, I know about the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, but you know what? I don't really think I've thought a lot about the ascension, much less called it an anchor. Yeah, I I agree. So let me ask you, Jen, Mrs. Denton, (laughs) how do you think— most Christians might answer if they were asked to explain what the ascension was exactly. What might they think of when they hear the term, the ascension of Christ? Well, it's funny that you said Mrs. Denton, because it makes me think about the years that I had the privilege to teach in a Christian school and had younger students, kindergarten, first grade. And we had these things called storybook pages, where at the top, it would give a a box for you to draw a picture. And then the student, whatever level they could, would write a sentence or two about it. And my daughter's, if I'm so humble to say, is always my favorite, because she brought that home from her own classroom. And Jesus is going up. He's lifted. He has the power of flight 
up into the heavens. He's very sparkly and shiny. And we talked about that in our last podcast. But the thing I remember the most is he's surrounded by angels and there's three on each side of them and they all have side ponies and they have little strapless blue sparkly dresses (laughs) and they just look like Jesus is ascending with his backup singers. (laughs) So that's the first visual I always get of the ascension, but I'm sure is nothing, nothing theologically correct about that. Well, the ascension (laughs) is an incredibly important aspect of the Christian faith. And it's one, as I said, I just don't think we give a lot of attention to it. And when we do, what you just described, this is what we kind of come up with, you know. Um, You know, in the times I personally spend with the Lord, I often, uh, pretty much every time, I pray the Lord's Prayer as part of that. And I quote the Apostles' Creed, you know, just digging deep into my faith. And one line of the creed says this, He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, some of us may have grown up in a church where we recited the Apostles' Creed every Sunday, and yet even then you still wondered, what in the world does that line even mean? There's an Australian theologian by the name of Michael Bird, and he wrote in his book, What Christians Ought to Believe, really good little book, by the way. He wrote this, I find it most curious that the author of Hebrews regards the ascension of Jesus as the anchor for our souls. So there's that anchor concept. I just find that interesting. And Luke, who wrote two of our New Testament books, obviously thought the ascension was important since he presents an account of it twice, once at the end of his gospel and then again at the beginning of the book of Acts. Well, before you take us on a, a deep dive, let, let's briefly stop and explain what the Ascension is or was, I guess I should say. Yeah, good idea. So let's get on the same page here all together regarding what the Ascension is. So when we use the term Ascension, we are referring to the specific act of the incarnate God, the Lord Jesus, when he brought to an end his post-resurrection appearances to his disciples and over 500 other eyewitnesses, when he was finally parted from them regarding his physical presence, and when he then passed into the other heavenly world to remain there until his second coming. So the ascension, Jesus is walking around here on earth in his resurrected physical body. He's hanging with the disciples. He's showing up where they are. He's showing himself to at least 500 other people. And then he he lifts up into the clouds, as Luke says, in, in I believe it's in Acts, and left here and goes to heaven where he is now seated at the right hand of God. So Luke describes those events in just a few words in Luke 24, and he expands on a, a little bit more fully in Acts 1.9. According to the Apostle John, Jesus referred to, on three different occasions to his ascending into heaven. Uh, Paul speaks of Christ ascending far above the heavens in order to permeate the whole universe with his presence and power. Such phrases, uh, Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy that Jesus was received up in glory. Peter mentions that Jesus has gone into heaven. The writer of Hebrews says Jesus passed through the heavens. And they're all referring to the same event, and that's the ascension of Christ. Mm -hmm. And let me read from Luke and Acts and give some more context to this. In Luke 24, 51, we find 
while he was blessing them, he departed from them and was carried out into heaven. Acts 1.9 reads, And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So let me be up front here for a second. (laughs) Doesn't it feel like the ascension is a little strange? I I mean, it seems almost mythological. I mean, Jesus flying about or floating up into heaven, which makes me... With his backup singers. With his backup singers, of course. I mean, you can't go anywhere without your your posse or your tribe. (laughs) It, It makes me feel a little bit like heaven is just above us. And maybe that's where we get that idea that we could go up in a cloud and fly there in an airplane. Yeah. It it must have been an incredible visual for the disciples, for sure. Yeah. But because we don't hear a lot about it, it, it is shrouded in mystery. It makes it feel a little bit more mysterious. So what is the ascension really all about and why was it necessary? Yeah, those are really good questions that we need to answer if we're going to understand it at all. So let's jump in. Let's take that first question. What is the ascension really all about? And then as we answer that in the process, hopefully we'll also answer why it was necessary. So there's a lot going on with the ascension. Jesus ascended to heaven in such a manner whereby when he did that, he left it crystal clear in the minds of everyone that he left here to go be with his Father in heaven. And so the ascension marks the end of his post-resurrection ministry. All of those post-resurrection appearances come to an end. And he ascends to heaven to continue his ministry, I suppose we could say, where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, there are a few other aspects to this as well. So think with me along these lines for a second. If Jesus had not ascended to heaven, he would not have sent the Holy Spirit to his followers. We talked about that in the previous podcast. He was very clear with us, as we read in John's gospel, that when he departed, the Holy Spirit would come. And that's the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our helper, our comforter. So, Jen, let's. how about reading those verses for us out of John's gospel? Sure. John 14, 16, and 17 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. John fourteen twenty six then goes on to say, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John fifteen twenty six then says, when the helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And then John 16, 7 says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So what we're seeing here, thank you, by the way, for that. Here's the ministry of the Holy Spirit continuing the ministry of Jesus through the continuing ministry of of the disciples. So Jesus says, I have to go away because when I go away, then I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to testify to Jesus. And he's also going to empower the disciples. He's going to empower us as believers to carry out the the work and witness of the gospel. Now, there's another aspect of this, which is incredibly important to the Christian faith. And it's this. 
after Jesus' ascension, there was an expectation that Jesus would be worshipped as God. Okay, but wouldn't some possibly counter that and say, well, wasn't that the expectation already? Wasn't that already there? Weren't people already worshiping Jesus before his resurrection? Well, I think we could answer, you know, certainly answer yes to that. But the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and his ascension really highlight, uh, hi- highlight, highlight, uh, highlights a game they play in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus appearing post-resurrection and then Jesus ascending to heaven, they, that highlights with certainty the fact that Jesus was and is God. I mean, after all, you think about it. Jesus didn't have to appear to anyone after his resurrection. And yet the Bible tells us that he appeared to over 500 witnesses. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, proof. Mm-hmm. He could have ascended back into heaven without ever letting anyone know about it. I mean, he could have raised from the dead, came out of the grave and just gone up to heaven. But he didn't. When he ascended, he chose to ascend in the presence of his disciples. Why? Again, proof. And think about it. When the disciples, all but one, uh, John, were facing martyrdom, what would be the keystones to keep them locked into the faith? I mean, when you're ready to die, if you're if you're a little wonky on what you believe, okay, well, I'm not going to believe that anymore because I want to live. But they held on to it. So what kept them locked into their faith? And I, I think part of that, in great measure, has got to be the fact that they had been eyewitnesses to the resurrection and they saw Christ, spoke with him after he rose from the dead, and the fact that they saw with their own eyes Christ ascending to heaven. So all of that, at the very least, strengthened their faith and kept them in the game all the way to the point where they gave their lives up for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And you used a term to classify that. You said post-resurrection ministry in that time. And I never really thought about that, that 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 was a special and very needed time at minimum for the disciples, not to mention the other people. Thomas certainly needed it. Absolutely. And Peter really needed it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see that Jesus's ministry to Peter post-resurrection, you see what that did, feed my sheep three times. Mm -hmm. He says that, you know, correlating with the three denials. And then you read about Peter in Acts and thousands of people coming to faith and that all goes back to the fact that God used Peter um, because Peter had that encounter that uh, with Jesus there mm-hmm. on the beach that, that day. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to the worship part. Oh, yeah. Yes. We, we, did, <laughs> we got a little off track here. Um, so what we see in Scripture after the ascension of Jesus was the beginnings of Trinitarian worship. Uh, you don't see it prior to the ascension. So we begin to see in the Christian church the worship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's worship focused on the Lord Jesus and God the Father operating in the power of the Spirit. The risen Jesus was immediately worshipped as someone who had overcome death and transcended the heaven-earth divide after the resurrection. So the ascension meant that Jesus was not only taken up to heaven like Enoch or Elijah were. You got to remember, this happened with others before. But unlike Enoch and Elijah, he now was and is exalted and enthroned beside God the Father. Therefore, 
Jesus became worthy of similar honors given to God. And that's why immediately after the ascension, Luke tells us that the disciples worshiped him and why prayers, baptisms, and healings were performed in his name. And, you know, as we're talking about this today, it's kind of getting me worked up a little bit. You know, I, I really wonder why we don't give more attention to this in our evangelical churches. It seems so incredibly important and significant. Maybe it should be right up there with Christmas and Easter. We can start, we can start a new holiday. <laughs> That's what we need. <laughs> and maybe it should be given that same significance. So shouldn't we be at least talking about it more and co- commemorating it more? I feel like I've been taken to the woodshed a little bit here. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> Speaking as a as a pastor who's just in my ministry, I have not given the ascension its due. So I'll make a promise to you and to all of our listeners. I, I will do better. I will endeavor to do better and get it out in front of at least our people here more. You know, I've I've always felt that during the Reformation of the late 14th and 15th centuries, we we threw a little too much of the theological baby out with some of the bathwater. I really always believed that. But, you know, a lot of churches, uh, they, they do commemorate the ascension. Yeah, how do they do that? Well, you know, it, it's all kinds of different ways. M- many churches observe what they call Ascension Day or the Feast of the Ascension. Some of them call it Holy Thursday. And it's generally and probably most often observed on the 40th day after Easter. Mm-hmm. So you, Resurrection Day, Easter Day, move out 40 days, and that's Ascension Day. Is that because that's the estimated time period? Yeah, in, there? in the Bible. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. usually celebrated on a Thursday in most churches. And there is historical evidence that it was celebrated as a church holy day as far back as the fourth century. And the great theologian Augustine, when he was writing uh, all his stuff at the beginning of the fifth century, he wrote about um, Ascension Day or the Feast of Ascension. And as you read that, there's almost the assumption from him that it was being observed long before his time. And so here's a little fun fact. Johann Sebastian Bach composed several beautiful pieces to be played and sung at Ascension Day services. And some of his music is is played uh, during those services as well. So it has always been considered a very important day in Christendom. Well, along that line, is there, there anything we're still missing? What else should we know about the Ascension? I mean, assuming, because we're always just barely touching the surface on most of the things we're able to talk about here. Yeah, well, there there is much, much more. And one of the things that we want to do here at Kitchen Table Theology is introduce theology to you as a listener. And I, I'm sure for some of you, these podcasts are refreshers. But I also know that to many of us, much of this is new, kind of exciting, uh, it's, it's, you know, you're learning this, some of you for the very first time, which just thrills us, but let me share just one other aspect of the Ascension that I, I think is important for us. The Ascension reminds us and the Bible teaches us that Jesus will return in the same manner that he left. We will touch on this in future podcasts. That's when we cover the doctrine of eschatology. That's the study of the end times. But there will be a second coming of Jesus Christ, and his future return is rooted in the reality of his ascension into heaven. Uh, Hence the words of the angels 
to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, which Jen, would you very kindly read that for us, please? Absolutely. This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And that's from Acts 1, verse 11. So there we get a glimpse into what the second coming is going to be like a little bit. Jesus will return in the same way, but more importantly, I think, it is the same Jesus. And whatever mysterious ways that Jesus ascended into heaven, in the same mysterious way, he will return to reign over the earth and to complete and consummate his kingdom. It certainly appears that for Luke, the ascension and return of Jesus belong closely together. As one theologian said, the ascension is the advance notice of the end. I like that. <laughs> I do too. Things that, yeah, it's posted up on the door. Things to the come. The advance notice of the end. Uh, there we go. Well, once again, so much to think on here again, kitchen table theologians. And as always, we thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Don't forget about those episode notes. Check those out when you get a chance. These are prepared just for you for just about every podcast that we do. They're created with you specifically in mind to be an ancillary help to you as you dive deeper into the doctrine and theology of the Christian faith. And check out our website at jeffcranston.com, where you can find our podcast archives where dozens of theological topics are discussed. You can also read Pastor Jeff's blog, where he writes on many issues important to the Christian life. If you haven't done so already, as always, we appreciate it if you'll take a minute or two and leave us a rating or review on the platform you're listening from. And if you've done that already, we say once again, thank you. you. (laughs) Please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or family member who might benefit from it as well. As always, special thanks to our sound engineers, Pat Nichols and Gabe Diaz, and to Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina, for making this podcast possible. And thank you, Kitchen Table Theologians, for your support, your questions, and your encouragement along the way as we remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.